Welcome to Intersect Where Church Meets Culture. I'm Josh Dash, the lead pastor at Northeast Presbyterian Church in Columbia, South Carolina. And I am joined as always by my wife, the very chic Betsy. Hey, friends. Are you feeling elegant and stylish today? I mean, because you look it. Oh, thanks. You got, I you're, mean. <laughs> you're rocking a great headband. Uh, I usually do have a headband on this year. Well, I think, the, I think the adjective chic is appropriate for our topic for today, Bets, because here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to get into the world of social media and talk about, here's the question, from branding products to branding ourselves. Yeah. That is, that, is that what has happened? That's what we want to get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we branding ourselves on social media? And and here's what I want to say. This podcast is not a rant uh, against social media. I myself am on social media. I find it to be an interesting, fascinating digital world. I think there's no denying the reality that a huge percentage of the world is on and engaged in social media. I personally don't think I'm very good at it. Whatever that means. Yeah, what does that even mean? I don't even know what it means, but whatever it does mean, I don't think I'm that good at it. But uh, the point is not just to dump on social media today, but rather to get into, we almost want to psychoanalyze social media. Sure. And what it does with folks. Mm -hmm. So, Bets, I want to tell you what prompted me to think of this topic. Remember earlier in season four, we did an episode called clothing consumption in the Christian life. Yes. Remember that? Mm -hmm. And for that episode, I did a bunch of research into the garment industry and uh, how clothing is made and what happens to secondhand clothing and all of that. And in the course of my research, I listened to a bunch of people who had worked in the clothing industry. And they talked about, one of the things they talked about was how marketing has changed over the years for clothes. Mm. So let's think about when you and I grew up. How was a company like The Gap, right? The Gap who owns, they own Gap, Banana Republic, and Old Navy. Mm-hmm. How, when you think about that company growing up, like how were they advertising their stuff? Definitely commercials yep. on TV. Um, remember catalogs? We used to get catalogs. Catalogs, yep. We used to get catalogs. Uh, you might get some like postcards. But yeah, in well, the mail. with a coupon maybe. How about radio commercials? Sure, sure. Um, definitely Bo's way newspapers. Remember Rush Limbaugh, Bo's Bo's advertised on Rush Limbaugh for forever. Uh huh. Um, newspapers, newspapers. Sure. Uh, you know, maybe a full page ad about what's going on at Macy's that weekend. Totally. Totally. And then there was like, when you went into the mall, for example, there were those huge, you know, you go by the, you go by the store and there's those giant pictures in the windows. Yeah. It'd be like a model 20 by 20. 20. Yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> well, oh, those days, the old, the olden days. What's a mall? What's I mean, a mall? Who even I don't goes even know. I don't know what a mall is. Yeah. Who knows what a mall is? I went to one growing up a lot. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you this. Um, oh, okay. Of course we know that those things still exist. I still occasionally see an old Navy commercial. I never see a Banana Republic commercial, but I occasionally will see an old Navy commercial mm-hmm. oh, on yeah. TV. Especially around the holidays. Yeah. Maybe. Around the holidays. But this is probably not going to surprise you. Now, social media is the most important channel by far for companies. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, yes, okay, there are still magazines. There's got to be something in a doctor's office while you wait. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. there's still some physical magazines out there. Yeah, magazines. We didn't talk about magazines. We didn't talk about did magazines. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah. And those, all, those basically existed just for the brands to, you know, right. advertise their stuff. Right. But 
really where the game is at now. Anybody who's in the industry, people who are in marketing, they all say that social media is where it's at now. And that's what prompted this question of, um, are we are we branding ourselves? And let me just say one more thing here. What was what really uh, intrigued me about this topic was I heard a woman who had been high up in the clothing industry. She worked for a major major company, and she said that she didn't think the rise of fast fashion would have been possible without the rise of Instagram. Mm. And I said, "Huh, that's interesting." Like in other words, they they kind of work together. Well, if you think about social media, it's you know, the, the, the companies are able to tailor the ads based on, you know, big data and all that stuff that yes. you know that is collected on us as we use different websites and smartphones and apps and everything. And so they can really do very targeted marketing. Oh, yeah. So it makes sense rather than just some, you know, ad in the newspaper, you know, who knows who's actually seeing that, who would actually go and shop based on seeing the ad. But when you're able to do all these different metrics and, uh, you, you know, you really target those ads, it's much more effective, you would think. Do you, do you remember the first time that you did like a Google search for a pair of shoes and then the next day that same pair of shoes and advertisement popped yeah. up and, and you're, and you're, oh my goodness. It's creepy. <laughs> they know all it about It follows me. you, yeah. Bets, tell our audience about the numbers. And, and I, I've heard these numbers are a little inflated with bots and stuff like that, but they're still enormous the biggest social media platforms out there right now. Yeah, it's nuts how even over the years, there's just been this crazy expansion. So Facebook is still um, on top. I don't know. I don't know if that will always be the way that it is, but Facebook Mm -hmm. apparently has 2.8 billion users. If you think about that as a fraction of the world's population, that's, that's crazy. Aren't there like 7 billion people in the world? Something over seven. It's not eight yet. So that's that's, a I mean, that's a percentage of the world's population. And then Instagram isn't far behind with 1.3 billion users. Yep. Yep. So, and then, you know, you can, you can follow all the way down. Um, It's interesting though, if you look at the difference between Instagram and Twitter from these stats, Twitter only has 397 million. Yeah. Elon Musk might want to think twice. Yeah. So the reach of... Instagram and Facebook isn't is much yeah, yeah. much bigger. And then there's there's uh, social media platforms which we've never heard of that have like 500 million people. Right, in other maybe popular in other yeah, parts of the world. Yeah, in other in other countries. Mm-hmm. Okay, bets. Tell our audience how many followers does the average Instagram user have? This is what we found, folks. The average Instagram user has 150 followers. Okay, 150. So it's kind of your friends, your family, sure. maybe some college buds you haven't seen for a while. <laughs> okay, yeah, like a high school friend. They're or two. keeping up with you. 150 <laughs> feels pretty good to me. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'd feel pretty good about that. Yeah. Um, all right, so listen to this. So. According to the research we were able to do, uh, 53.6% of users on Instagram have less than 1,000 followers, Hmm. okay? And then another 38% have between 1,000 and 10,000 followers. So you have 90, about 91, 92% of all Instagram users have less than 10,000 followers. Hmm. Now, uh, part part of the reason that's significant is because as I was researching this topic, a lot of times you're really not going to start getting paid until you get past 10,000. Mm-hmm. 10,000 is some, there's no magic number because if you have 5,000 really devoted followers or something like that, a brand still might come along. And by getting paid, you mean getting paid to post about certain things. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So the average, uh, if I remember this correctly, the average dollar amount 
for a person who has over 10,000 followers who gets who has a paid sponsorship is $88 per post. Mm. Okay. Now that does not guarantee. It's not like you hit 10,000 and all of a sudden you do 20 posts and Instagram sends you a check for like 800 bucks. Like that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. Instagram is not paying anyone anything. Right. This is you have to have a company that wants to pay you to advertise their product. Mm-hmm. Just to be real clear about that. And now, if you're Kim Kardashian or something, you're making way more than that per post. Yeah, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Kim Kardashians, the Cristiano Ronaldos, um, all of the Kardashians, period. Um, the, I, I think they give an impression that there's a lot of people out there that are getting filthy rich mm. on social media. And of course, that's absolutely not the case. Right. Um, there's tons of people out there who have over $10,000, uh, 10,000 followers who aren't getting a nickel. Some of them are probably getting free product from what they're advertising. Mm-hmm. But the point is, uh, it's a lot harder than you might think to build up a following and then to get paid to take pictures. Well, and that also extends over to YouTube. I know plenty of kids who are planning on being professional YouTubers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And like that as a living. And I'm like, guys. I'm sure one of the Desh kids said that at some point. Like, mom and dad, like, of course I'm not doing my homework. I'm going to be a professional yeah, YouTuber. I'm building my YouTube. Yeah, I'm doing my YouTube channel, mom and dad. Um, so, you know, I yeah. hate to I hate to break it to to kids, but most people don't make it Has on YouTube. Has not happened for our kids yet. <laughs> and they are talented. <laughs> let, let me read you, Bets. Okay, so 0.27% of users have over 500,000. So really when you get to these big numbers, it's mm-hmm. such a tiny little percent. It's like LeBron James and a few other people. (laughs) Yeah. In a future episode too, I want to get into the topic of buying followers. I don't know if you know that, but you can do that Mm -hmm, with enough money. You can, you can get to that 10,000 really quickly and none of them care about you at all. Mm. You just bought them. But I wanted to read a quote from someone in the clothing industry that talked about this change that happened. And then we'll, we can dig a little bit more into the psychology of all this. This person from the clothing industry said this, we used to send out samples to magazines of their clothing, Mm. uh, of their brand. And then there was a moment when we said, we don't do that anymore. We just send things to influencers or give them gift cards. And it was cheaper to advertise. The product given to influencers costs us so little. We slashed our marketing budget and said, we're going to focus on getting people to wear our clothes on Instagram. That was every company I've ever worked for. We just no longer thought about magazines or having our clothing featured in a film. It was faster, cheaper, and easier to have someone wearing our clothes on Instagram, and we did it. Hmm. So you think about, you know, from the perspective of the company, it's like, sure, I'll send you some hoodies, some jeans. All you need to do is take a picture of yourself, tag us, and uh, we'll give you free stuff. Yeah, and you're not paying for that you know, big ad in a magazine or on a billboard or whatever it may be. Sure. Mm -hmm. So Bets, let's dig into this topic a little bit more. Here's my question that I'm really curious about. Uh, I find it so interesting that people are basically willing to do free labor for brands. Mm. Why are people doing this? Why do we live in a world now where there are tens of thousands and thousands of people who are desperate to be picked up by brands, who are constantly tagging the brands in their posts, hoping. So basically the way the game is played is you're tagging. Like, let's say I love Nike. I'm just constantly tagging myself 
with Nike stuff in the dream that I'm going to get a DM or an email or something mm-hmm. from Nike that says, hey, can we send you a free pair of shoes? Will you post it? Right. Let alone like we're going to, Nike's actually going to write you a check of actual physical money. Hmm. So that's, um, why do you think people are so willing to do free labor for brands? What are they getting back from this? Yeah, that's a, it's a really interesting question. And I don't know how often we think about that. Um, I think there's a whole thing, there's a whole concept of loving the the story of the brand or aligning with the values of the brand or, um, you know, I, I think there's a thing in which you see yourself as, you know, a representative of, I like what this company stands for or... You know, if you're one of those people who loves to stay active, for example, I want to be seen as someone who, you know, I want to be seen as someone who wears that or who embodies the value of the brand. So it's almost like an identification. So, so like if I, if I love, I want to be a North Face type person, Yeah, which is an outdoor, Mm -hmm. active, Mm -hmm. explore the world type person. And so if I... I'm always wearing North Face in some way I'm identifying it with that. It communicates something about you and how you see yourself, maybe. Okay, fascinating. I, mm-hmm. I, agree, I agree with you. Let me go ahead and read the definition of brand marketing, okay? Mm-hmm. And then we can you know, keep talking about what's this idea of branding ourselves. Brand marketing is the process of establishing and growing a relationship between a brand and consumers, Rather than highlighting an individual product or service, brand marketing promotes the entirety of the brand using the products and services as proof points to support the brand's promise. So this is is so obvious. We all know this. Nike's goal is not that I will buy one pair of basketball shoes. Their goal is not to sell me one pair of basketball Mm -hmm. shoes that they say, this is the best pair of basketball shoes. That's not their goal at all. Mm -hmm. They want to bring me into the Nike universe. They want you, every time you go to get something, to pick the Nike off the shelf. Absolutely. They want me to have the socks, the bag, the the warm-up pants. They want me to have, they want me to identify with what Nike stands for. Right. Way more than they care about the the quality of their product. Now, of course, they are going to care. They are going to say our basketball shoes are the best. But they're really not even directly selling us on the quality of it. Mm -hmm. It's really on the brand. Right. Yeah, it's fascinating to look at ads and think what the ad is really communicating. Like, what is it communicating when we see, so going going with Nike, what is it communicating when we see someone who's young, who's really fit, who's active, and then, you know, you see a Nike logo prominently on their clothes – what what is that image communicating? It's if you identify with Nike, maybe some of those things are true about you too. I think. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we, you and I, had a fascinating conversation with a Division One golf coach mm. recently. Mm-hmm. Great guy, and he works with a Division One uh, golf team, the girls' team. And we were just asking him about his job and what he does. And he said that uh, most of the girls on the golf team are business majors. And we said, oh, that's interesting. You know, why is that the case? And he said, and these are college students now, he said, they're all aware that the product they are selling is themselves. Mm. They are all aware of that. And so they're all in the business of building their platform, building their brand, 
at a D1 level, these girls are good enough that they're all hoping to play on the LPGA tour. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're all hoping to become professional golfers. And along with that, it's about getting endorsements. It's about building their brand. So I just found that fascinating Mm. that like the average 19 year old girl who plays golf at a D1 school, like she knows I've got to build my brand. I've got to build my platform. Mm. And, you know, I think to a degree that's always been true with uh, certainly with professional athletes, right? Like Michael Jordan's been on Wheaties boxes for forever. And, but (laughs) here's, here's what's changed, Betts. Social media gives you the ability to build your own brand from a very early age with no promises that you will actually make it. Hmm. It used to be that the brands came to you. Now you are a brand and you come to people on social media. Well, and going back to Michael Jordan, if he's on a Wheaties box, for example, Wheaties is driving that ship. They're telling him, hey, we want you to pose this way and, you know, have this kind of, and then they... They put the image however they want it, whereas social media, it's all done by you. You know, you're the yeah, driver. You're the driver. So you're making the decisions about how how you're branded, essentially. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's actually way more work mm. for for it's a us. lot of hustle. You know, hustle's a word now. Oh, hustle's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we uh, something else that we found that was pretty funny. Um, we found an Instagram account where the whole point of the account is. It's videos of other people making Instagram photos or videos. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's videos of people sh- uh, taking selfies essentially. Yeah, or 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 selfie videos. So the person who the person whose account it is is th- their whole thing, and I'm sure they didn't take all of them, but no. their whole thing is finding people who are posing for selfies, <laughs> and you know it. <laughs> it's it's just, so ridiculous. It's really it's really like kind of cringy honestly if you because it's like you see how many times people take a selfie and they don't like it and then maybe they adjust their chin a little bit or you know it's just it just makes it all you just see it for what it is like okay that person didn't just get out of bed and take this beautiful selfie they they took one and then they raised an eyebrow and then they took another one and then maybe they did like pouty lips or something like it, it just, it makes it so silly. Cringy is the perfect word. Yeah, cringy. And it also highlights how a lot for a lot of people, the digital world is, be, is the real world because these right. people are doing this stuff and people are walking by them just like, you know, laughing, rolling their eyes, pointing at them. And they're doing things like they're crawling on the, on the sand, on the beach and they're, and there's somebody else <laughs> holding the camera and everybody else is just laughing. Like you're making such a fool of yourself. Well, yeah. What was interesting was this idea of your, the digital world is more real than the world that you're inhabiting. Oh my goodness. You know, yep. are you, are you truly experiencing that beautiful time on the beach if you're trying to capture this perfect image perfect image and so you know your time is spent not enjoying it necessarily but redoing the image over and over again so yeah. it's this kind of strange thing yeah like what world are you inhabiting yeah. more mm-hmm. what's more meaningful maybe so what's some very interesting things here as we wrap this up i think there's a huge question of identity here bets mm-hmm. where do we get our identity from obviously as believers as christians our identity is supposed to come through Christ as Christ followers, as, as those who belong to Christ have been united to Christ and social media is not, I'm not here to say that it's a bad thing, period, but it does have a strong pull toward making our identity about the response we get online, Mm -hmm. which is found in two metrics, how many followers we have 
and then the response that those followers give us when we post something. Mm -hmm. And if you are a person that does not care how people respond to your posts, please email us and like... (laughs) And, and if there's a way that somehow you're not lying, because I can't, I don't know how that would work. Yeah. I mean, I want to know what people think about my post. The second I post, mm-hmm. I, I'm ready to have comments and interaction and likes. Yep. And, yep. and how can I not? I'm like, I, I don't think I'm any different from anybody else. No. Yeah. That, that's what keeps us coming back for more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To wrap up here, uh, Bets, let me just ask you a few questions. Why do you think people are doing this? Let's just ask this question. Why do you think people have gone from branding products to branding ourselves? Why are we doing this? I mean, I think I think there is an, an angle where we are hoping to, you know, it's the whole thing of let's hustle and let's achieve something and maybe your side hustle eventually becomes your main job. I yeah. think that is a, a, a desire for a lot of people and some people do some are people, able to do that. Some people make it, absolutely. Yeah, some yeah, people yeah, are able want... to, to do that through their yep. social media yep. following. You know, eventually it does become something that is sustainable and yep. profitable or whatever. Yep. Um, so I think that that's, I, I would guess that's why a lot of people start that way. Sure. At least on the surface level. Sure. And I, I would I would completely agree with you. I think money is the basic uh, driver. That's mm-hmm. what anybody would say. Hey, look, if I could one day uh, make money by posting pictures of myself on the internet, awesome. But I wonder if there's a deeper need for affirmation mm-hmm. that's really behind so much of this. And again, I'm, I'm really here thinking of people that are posting all the time. They're tagging stuff all the time and they're just, and you think about the brands, like all the, the brands are loving this. And the brand, even if they just throw them a bone sometimes, like here's a free t-shirt or something, Mm. that these people are so desperate for the brand to repost their post, to tag them. Uh, And I I believe that it just speaks to uh, the human need, which has been expressed in different ways at different times, for affirmation, for love, for validation, Mm -hmm. which we have in Christ as Christians. Yep. Um, let me ask you just a couple more questions. Do you think there's a sense in which we're exploiting ourselves to a degree? I mean, I do think that that is a danger and um, something that is, I, I, again, I'm not sure how much we think about certain things um, in in the way that we think through brands. And I think it's so normal in a lot of ways. I, I agree, right. That we don't, we don't really think about it. And some brands you do want to promote. Oh, sure. You know, maybe you know about a company you just love and you do want to share that with your friends. I'm, I I don't think that's a bad thing at all. No, Um, no. And I've got my brands that I like that I have no idea if the company's even ethical. I just like their clothes or I like their cars or or whatever. Certain cleaning products or, you know, and that kind of stuff you do want to share with your friends. Um, I do think it's, it's possible to, you know, just become a cog in the wheel for, for these companies. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Pro- probably the easiest way to think about exploiting ourselves is how these days an employer can check on your social media. And that's just something you have to be careful about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and in a world where sort of everybody's online and posting stuff online all the time, right. something we have to be careful about. Uh, my last question is, or my last statement, my last thought for you bets is this, um, when I think about the word influencer, it's, you know, kind of we all, we think of Kim K, right. we think of Kanye, we think of Justin Bieber or whoever. These, And then there are the people that are famous for being famous. Mm-hmm. 
And, um, you know, as I was reflecting on it more, I thought, you know, the word influencer is not an inherently bad word because as Christians, I mean, we want to influence people, right? Like, and we do have influence and we should want to exert influence. I think the question we have to wrestle with is what influence are we trying to bring to people? Mm -hmm. How are we trying to influence them? That's right. And then likewise, to turn the mirror on ourselves, who is influencing us? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a big one, right? It is. It's really, really important to think through because, again, that might be something that we don't think about very much, like whose influence are we sitting under the most? Or, um, you know, the other side of the coin, what are we influencing people toward? Is it toward a certain brand that's really important to us? Um, is it toward, you know, a certain lifestyle that's that's really important to think through. Sure, sure. And uh, of course, it's great. There's nothing wrong with influencing toward a brand or a whatever, but we, we, we want our goal, of course, to be to fit it within a Christian, a Christian approach to life. That's right. Which would be ultimately we're trying to influence people toward the Lord, mm-hmm. toward his kingdom, mm-hmm. and toward his work. That's right. So, Betts, um, I heard you recently read a good book called The Connected Child. Sure did, yes. Tell me about that book. Well, so this is a book by, um, I think there's a couple authors. The main one was Karen Purvis, and um, it is just an excellent book. Josh and I are prayerfully um, embarking on the process of becoming foster parents. Mm-hmm. That is something we are slowly and prayerfully um, pursuing. And so this is this was a book about how we can care for foster children or children that you've adopted into your home who have come from traumatic backgrounds and what kind of extra care they may need and um, just how to make them feel safe and loved even in a context, um, coming out of their context that may be really difficult. Mm. So actually though, I, I finished this book and I found it marvelous even for our kids who you know have had a pretty normal childhood, I guess. I mean, we're pretty weird. Well, but... I don't know about that. But... <laughs> yeah, actually, maybe I shouldn't say normal, but like... Normal-ish. Um, yeah. <laughs> but just great about different ways to connect with your children. Yeah. And So um, there's stuff in this book for everybody, it sounds like. There that's... is. Well, and also, um, there, there definitely are. And just real creative ways to engage kids when they're... Um, you know, the whole thing that we're learning about foster care or kids who have been adopted out of difficult situations is that you have to look past the behaviors to what's driving the behaviors. And um, it was just really, really Mm, a good book. mm, Mm -hmm. The Connected Child. The Connected Child. We recommend. Thanks for listening, everybody. In keeping with this episode, if you'd like to tag Intersect on Facebook (laughs) or share this, hey, we would appreciate that. Give us a like. Give us that affirmation we need. If you want to promote our brand, please please, do. Please, please do it. (laughs) Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.